It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you listen, whenever you're watching. I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.sal's neighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why i go to saint simon's island for an authentic italian meal today's show is also being brought to us in part by holiday inn properties that's right if you're going to stay any place in the u.s of a make sure you stay in holiday inn property there's many to choose from my two favorites are the holiday inn express and holiday inn resorts but listen I can hook you up with a Billy C. discount, so next time you're going to make your reservations, call our toll-free, that's what I said, toll-free, phone number 844-603-0364, 844-603-0364, or just click on the uh, Holiday Inn banner up on BillyCBoxing.com. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next big uh, boxing event, which is taking place Saturday night. It will be broadcast on HBO. Saddam Ali uh, makes the first uh, defense of his newly acquired, acquired junior middleweight title. So uh, check that out. And finally, oh, by the way, get tickets. The best-priced tickets available direct at the box office at Turning Stone. And you can get there by clicking the fight poster on VillageCBoxing.com. Bypass the middleman and uh, get the best uh, price you can get. And by the way... There's not a bad seat in the house, so uh, don't think you got to you know, spend top dollar. That's all I'm saying. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet. is available right now where all good books are sold, and you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. Um. Coming up uh, a little bit later on the show, uh, I got uh, some news. Uh, Joseph Parker uh, getting a fast track or, or thinking they're going to get a fast track uh, back to a world title. Uh, Sergey Kovalev and uh, his uh, next fight, which is a, a tough one against longtime mandatory uh, title challenger, uh, Eldir uh, Alvarez. Uh, it's going to be happening in uh, my man Larry Hazard's uh, rain, 
uh, in Atlantic City. Uh, also, uh, an update on Joe Smith Jr. and the next World Boxing Super Series tournament. We'll talk about that. Um, also, uh, I'm hoping to get to uh, uh, Vasily Lomachenko against Jorge Linares this weekend. Uh, a, a great fight. A, a, you know, my question to people is, is this fight going to live up to the hype? You know, uh, I, I think it's going to. I really do. We'll talk about that and specifically break down the fights and give you our predictions uh, uh, starting, to well, tomorrow. Today is Thursday. You know what that means. It's Super Chat Thursday. So uh, come on over to our YouTube chat room and uh, uh, give us a Super Chat with your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, whatever, and uh, we'll bring it uh, on air so you'll be part of the show. Uh, so uh, drive the show today, boys and girls. Uh, but I want to kick off the show with uh, some news. I talked about this yesterday uh, as we were going. I, I promised that I would, I would talk about it. And um, one of my main uh, uh, topics today, you know, I, I've been saying for a while about Floyd Mayweather's promotion company, Mayweather Promotions, and how I feel... Uh, because, uh, by the way, another thing we're going to talk about is a big announcement that Eddie Hearn from Matchroom Boxing is going to be uh, making today. Um, and, and you know, my point is, is is now that, you know, Hearn is coming over here and he, he's kind of, you know, moving right into, uh, you know, a, a become a large player in, in the promotional company, in the sport of boxing. And, um, you know, we have Golden Boy here. We have main events. We have top rank here. Uh, but they're all dragging their feet. You know, greed has prevented them from really becoming, in my opinion, the premier boxing promoter in the sport today. Eddie Hearn is uh, starting to to fill that void, in my opinion. Um, and I've said many times that I feel that Floyd Mayweather's Mayweather Promotions could be that promotional company. They could be the premier United States-based promotional company if... Uh, they would make some some moves that I think uh, would help not only their promotional company but the sport. But the problem is that I feel that Floyd Mayweather himself, his own humongous ego, is preventing uh, his talented uh, fighters. Now I'm not saying all of them are, but he does have. Uh, a handful of extremely talented fighters under his banner. And it seems that every time they take a couple of steps forward, all of a sudden they're, they're taking a few steps back. And, you know, I've always accused uh, Floyd of, of being the problem um, because of his ego. Well, well, now I think I got some proof. And uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about that. But first, joining me right now, to get his thoughts on the potential, uh, you know, Mayweather promotions and, and their move or, or rise uh, to prominence as a uh, U.S.-based uh, boxing promotional team uh, is uh, Sal, Rocky, Senecola, and Sal. What's your thoughts? I mean, do you think that Floyd's ego uh, could be preventing, uh, you know, his, his A-list fighters from, from getting better and better and, and doing the right thing? I don't know if I could go that far, but you never know because, you know, he does have a big ego. And uh, but by saying that, he should also aspire 
to be one of the biggest and best promoters, which which he is definitely in a position to to grow to be. He's got some credibility in the boxing world about that, and he's got some decent fighters that he can have showcase and and uh, uh, be the flagship. And you know, I think it's a matter of just him promoting and getting behind these guys, and you know, giving it all. They're his all, and uh, I think uh, I think he's on the cusp of that, and I I think he could do that. And if he does, well, my hats off to him because. He's one. He's one that's in a strong position to make uh, some real great strides and to uh, to rise above and to be a leader. Well, you said you can't say it. You never want to say anything. You're always trying to tippy toe around stuff, which uh, I, I guess is maybe a better. Uh, you're a better man than I. But I, I, I see it and I say it. Okay, I'm not afraid to say it. And uh, he, here's the thing. My man Mitch uh, was uh, nice enough to send me. An email uh, the other day he says, uh, "Hey Billy C, this morning you guys were talking about Floyd wanting all the attention as soon as his fighters get some shine." This was the other day. He says, uh, "Then a few as a few hours after your show, uh, check out these tweets from Tank Davis." Uh, he says, "You see, he's watching the show too. Rumor has it he watches the YouTube version of the show to get the full camera view of you and Sal." And, um, you know, he sent me uh, the tweets, and this is from Javonta Tank Davis. Now, Javonta Tank Davis is an example of what I'm talking about. Javonta Tank Davis is an extremely talented fighter. We loved his last performance. But let's backtrack a sec, all right? Javonta Tank Davis busts onto the scene. He guts under the wing of Floyd Mayweather. He gets his title shot. Thanks to, you know, Floyd. We got to give Floyd credit for that. Gets his title shot, wins the title. Now, all of a sudden, he's hanging out with Floyd, right? What happens? His first title defense comes in overweight. Comes in overweight. Loses his title on the scale. Now he's got no title. Then what happens? He gets arrested for beating up his girlfriend. Then to follow that, uh, he was spotted the other day hanging out uh, at strip clubs or everything else, right? Uh, now, he did seem to right the ship, and he looked fantastic in his last fight. He also was a little humbled uh, with his post-fight uh, interviews. But check out this. These are um, the tweets that Javante Davis sent out. Uh, he says, uh, uh, I'm under someone that just doesn't want to see me win. He says he takes pictures of my tags to see where I get my car from, see how much I get paid, and everything else. He says, why does this man, everything I do, want to tell Al Heyman about it? I buy something he wants to tell. I do something in my personal life, he goes and tells. But uh, he never supports me when I fight. Okay, now, if this isn't proof enough, that's coming right from a fighter's mouth, Okay, and you know, I, I never as as much as I look at Floyd Mayweather and the way his persona is, and he wants to be gangster, wants to be gangster. That's the way he hangs out. Since when is a gangster a snitch? Since when does he go and snitch? Listen, this is what happened. Let's backpedal a little bit. Adrian Broner busts onto the scene as a lightweight. Looks fantastic. I loved what I saw. Gets under the wing of Floyd Mayweather is referred to from Floyd Mayweather as his little brother, right? Then what happens? 
We all know what happens after that. Adrian Broner crashed and burned. He's arrested. He's been arrested several times. His career has taken a downward spiral. I mean, I, I don't know, Sal. I, I, I'm sorry. You say you can't say it, but I think that the evidence is pretty clear. Well, I'll tell you, when you frame it like that, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. I mean, and you look at Floyd Mayweather and his stature in the game of boxing and the sport of boxing, and, and you know, it, it's hard to return or give up or turn over the reins on that level. I mean, what I'm, oh, I'm speaking as uh, an observer looking the outside in, and, you know, he, he has all the accolades. He has, this is his, this is his journey, and... You know, you have a big ego when it's all about you. And it's it's hard to turn the reins over to say, hey, well, I'm in a position I could promote and I could do wonderful things for the people I have under my wing. And um, I think he should really look at, you know, the transition, you know, where it's it's no longer all about me in that capsule of, of, of a persona as a fighter. And let me turn it around. So now I can be all about me and my promotional and what I do for my fighters. If he can make that transition and take these guys and and really rear them and tutelage and, and give them the direction and give them the notoriety that they deserve, because I, I, I love Javante Tank Davis. I mean, the, guy, the guy's got a lot of talent, a lot of ability, and he could reign as a champion for a very, very long time. And uh, he does all the right things. And I loved his last interview. And I know he switched trainers, too. And I think that had a lot to do with it. So, you know, I think Floyd Mayweather, you know, has got to start accentuating what's positive in his, uh, in, in his under his wing. And he's got to really start uh, showing that it's, it's not only about him, but it's about his promotional uh, outfit and who he has under his wing that are going to be leaders in the game of boxing for a couple of years. Well, let me take it another another point. Let me take a, another point and, and run with it. He's okay. got another fighter that's under his that's under the Mayweather promotional banner. At least as far as I know, I, I don't know if if he stopped working with him or not. But Bado Jack is a perfect example. Bado Jack gets on goes on the rise, and um, for whatever reason, you know he he gets some good fights. Blah blah blah. He, he moves up. And then he gets knocked out viciously. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I was ringside for that uh, up at the Turning Stone. And, um, you know, after that, it seemed as if Floyd kind of, you know, kicked him to the back burner. But what I have come to find out was it was Badeau Jack's team that decided, hey, let's separate ourselves from Floyd. Not specifically from the promotional outfit. But from Floyd, they did so. And look what has happened. There has been no better and more encouraging turnaround from a fighter since a vicious knockout loss than Badeau Jack. As a matter of fact, he's fighting um, Stevenson uh, coming up uh, in, in, in a few weeks. So, you know, there's an example of a guy that saw it, didn't make a big stink about it, just reacted to what they realized, and he's benefiting from it. I have a feeling that Javante Davis has opened up his eyes, and maybe, as you suggest, Sal, by changing his trainer, maybe he's getting some good advice, and he too will separate himself from from Floyd and what Floyd uh, has a tendency to do. Now, now, with that said, 
Floyd has been able to hang around at strip clubs, you know, do the, the you know, gangster thing and all of that and stay successful. But not everyone can do it. So to, for Floyd's, you know, to give Floyd credit, he's been able to balance it. He knows that it's a hard balancing act. And a young fighter, and remember, Floyd didn't do this in the beginning of his career when he first started out. He did this after he's uh, learned the trade a little bit. He's taken some young fighters that are, uh, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're, they don't know, you know. I, I mean, they just don't know. They're, they're following a, a guy that has a successful uh, uh, career, uh, a successful record, of course, and, and they're saying, well, I want to do what this guy does, you know. But, uh, you know, uh, they're naive. That's the word I'm looking for here. They're naive. And uh, the end result has been crash and burns. And then we, as a boxing public, turn around. Oh, look, Adrian Broner. Oh, he's at it again. Oh, this and that. You know, uh, he's he was sold the wrong bag of goods. No, I, I think a lot of the blame has to be put on Floyd Mayweather because there's too many coincidences, Sal. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Floyd's had a good tutelage, too. He's had his father and he's had his uncle. So I'm sure that they were giving him words of wisdom and pearls of wisdom and here and there uh, from their experience in the ring and, you know, the path. So I think Floyd, you know, has got to to uh, to uh, thank them as well for his uh, rise to success and maybe maybe the direction uh, and, you know, whatever whatever he could do. And like I said, Bill, it's, it's a transitional period for for Floyd to to move from. It's all about me as a fighter individual to now it's all about the other fighters I could develop, promote, and and uh, and uh, let shine. And that's a that's a you got a big ego. That's a hard thing to, to let go of and do. But at this stage of the game, unless he's going to make a comeback every couple of years, uh, those are the things that I think he should start if he has not already uh, started to focus on and key on and, and realize that, you know, Hey, you know, I could I could still fight, I could do this, but I'm better off now promoting other young fighters and give them the direction, give them the opportunities that were given to me. And uh, I mean, that would be the perfect world, the perfect scenario, because he's in the driver's seat on that level to do those things. But to do those things, you've got to really look in the mirror and say, "Are you ready to do it and do it for others?" And I don't know. Well. Uh, I, you know, Floyd is all about Floyd. He always been, he always has, and he always will be. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts! Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you! I hate you! That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Um, you know... I, Floyd, you know, we're talking about Floyd Mayweather, his ego, uh, you know, seemingly when, when he gets a young fighter under his wing and, and the fighter starts an upward, dri you know, launch, drive, uh, Floyd uh, has a tendency to uh, all of a sudden uh, help him go down a little bit. 
uh, sort of like a roller coaster. And I just think, you know, I, Floyd has a huge ego. And, you know, in boxing, you know, that, that could be a good thing. You know, any superstar athlete should have a big ego, I think. You know, it helps them with their confidence, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in Floyd's case, and, you know, every superstar athlete, whether it's boxing, baseball, football, whatever, that have been and accomplished so much, just like Floyd has, it's hard to let go. And, you know, everything was always circling and surrounding Floyd through, you know, at least the last 15 years, his whole life, he's been the center of attention, no matter what he does, no matter what he says, no matter where he goes, no matter what he buys, you know, all of this stuff, top, you know, center of attention. And now all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, he tries to spin it, you know, he picks the fights that he wants, et cetera, et cetera. He makes the money that he wants, et cetera, et cetera, all those things. But at the end of the day, he's not really the center of attention anymore. Yeah, when he comes out and says he's going to fight this guy or wants to fight in a cage and he's, you know, dabbling and teasing everybody that, that you know, uh, eats, takes the bait and runs with it or whatever. Um, at the end of the day, the ego still exists. Uh, the age and the, and the body may be, uh, you know, getting older and, and slowing down and realistically uh, be limited. You don't see them, you know, great, great uh, champions throughout the history uh, always push the envelope. Uh, and, and fought, you know, young guys coming up, and then all of a sudden they age overnight, and everybody remembers that last fight. Very few, uh, you know, uh, I would say, you know, all-time great fighters walked away from the ring uh, unscathed or, or at the top of the game. You know, Lennox Lewis comes to mind as being a guy that was able to, and, and obviously Floyd did, but Floyd's not done yet. Uh, Floyd's spending habits and all of this stuff – uh, kind of is going to force him uh, into doing things that he promised himself he wouldn't, like continue fighting. That's why I feel so strongly, Sal, that you know Floyd could still get that juice that he wants, and I don't mean I don't mean the same juice that Canelo uh, sprinkles on his <laughs> beef, but I'm talking about the same juice, the same attention uh, levels, etc., uh, etc., et by focusing on promotion, not promotion of himself but promotion of his promotional company and his young fighters in a positive way, not a teasing way. Hey, let's, let's throw, oh, this guy looks good. Hey, I don't want him to be too good. I don't want people to say he's better than me. Uh, let's knock him down a few pegs. And I'm not saying, hey, listen, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that Floyd tells somebody to go and hang out at a strip club all night or goes and tells somebody to go home and beat up their wife or girlfriend like Floyd does. I I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is he puts them in situations where he just, you know, will put somebody in a situation and sit back and let let it let it run its course. It's easy to have a, a young, uh, uh, you know, human being that all of a sudden has got all the money they can spend, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard for them to resist temptations. It's just a natural thing as we as we get older, don't you think? Well, you know, you you're talking about youth versus age and and uh, or aging, and you know, we we go through this life once one time, and we learn and we try to apply what we learn to our future, and that's the only way we can improve and do things that are uh, up and above the board, you know, and and um, you know, you learn from the mistakes and make the adjustments and calculations and, and go forward. Um, everyone should have that opportunity to learn. 
and uh, they do. It's just how they run with it and what they want to accentuate accentuate for themselves. And and uh, I think everyone has that opportunity. Uh, some do not grab it. Some do not run with it. Some do not really heed to it. Um, others will. And, um, you know, we were, hey, you're an adult and you know how you're going to have to conduct your life. It's going to be your legacy. And like we were saying, or like I said, too, when Floyd's ready to turn the reins over, he, he may do so. But it's really hard, maybe for him at this time, to do so completely and to let others shine. I'm not saying he can't, but maybe this is where he is in his own own uh, uh, place in life right now. Because, like, hey, for years, when, when I retired from fighting, everybody wanted to ask or see if I could train them, uh, if I could show them things. If I, and I and I like to, and I, and I could, but... You know, it, it was hard because it was nagging on me because knowing I retired uh, uh, early that uh, I felt, well, I, I still could do it. It's too much of a t- temptation. I still want to get back in the ring. I, I, why can't I show somebody else something that, that I could do better or whatever? So, you know, you, you have that inner conflict going on sometimes. I'm not suggesting that's what's going on with him. But, you know, I think until he's ready to look in the mirror and say, hey, guess what? I now want to shine and become the best promoter in the world. That could be a goal for him. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point, Sal. You know, he could he could look at it that way and yes. say, I want to be the best. I want to be the top promoter. You know, I want people to talk about Mayweather promotions. That's been my whole point about that. That's, ex- the, that, that. that's the exact way. I mean, and then you can get all that attention, right? You yes. could still get all that attention. You could be in the center of... Of of the universe, the boxing universe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If he focused on that, I, you know, I think the ego is preventing that. Sal, the ego, uh, just like you said, just the same reasons that haunted you for twenty five years, just the same ridiculous uh, reasons that you say you would want to make a comeback today at seventy five years old. I mean, all of those <laughs> things, all of those things. All kidding aside. Is yeah. true. They're true. true. You know, and, and if true. and if and if Floyd was able to take that, hey, let's face it. I mean, his competitive attitude is is you know second to none. Why not apply it to his promotional company and kick ass? You know, and, and turn around and become an undefeated promoter. You know, I, I mean, I don't know that that undefeated boxing record would always follow him no matter where he goes. And if he just would take and give, you know, the right types of advice to young fighters, make them stay away from from the strip clubs and hanging out at night and and the partying part of the world. Make them be cautious and frugal with with the with the newfound bucks that they got and and make sure that they don't do stupid things like slap their wives and girlfriends around and stuff like that. You know, all of that kind of stuff. This stuff that he deep down knows that he shouldn't be doing. Um, why isn't he trying to help them instead of aid them? Well, because of again, again, Floyd has. And I'm not saying anything wrong with it. When you're a world champion, you have to have this. He carries around with him. You got an elitist attitude. You you you've got to feel that you're impervious to to. Uh, to what the normalities of of, uh, of life are going to throw your way, you, you're bulletproof, and and because you are the elite that, uh, individual that you are, 
So it, it, it's, again, it's hard. It's an ego thing. It's looking in the mirror thing. It's ready to turn over the reins thing. It's ready to let go thing. And, you know, some people can make that transition and have the reality of, of life humble them. And others, uh, you know, maybe take a little while to come around and do that. So, you know, I, I really feel that he's got himself in a position that he can do it on his agenda. And, and maybe he's defining that now. And uh, but uh, until he fully lets that go, I mean, you you said it before. He could be the greatest promoter out there. I mean, he's got everyone's attention. He could do this. It's it's if he's ready to do this, if he really wants to do this. But he's got all the opportunities and the world's eyes are all on him. If he wants to do anything with his life, he could still have that competitive nature. Be the biggest, be the best. And you know what? If he wanted to throw it all into promoting and, and turn the reins over and start touting uh, Javante Davis is the world's greatest or this and that, and if he's ready to do that, then, you know, all my hat's off to him. But I think that's the thing that he's got to come to terms with and realize that he's ready to let go, ready to be the best promoter in the world and do what he's got to do for the fighters he signs. Sal, we got to take a break, but I got one more question for you. Yes. If Manny Pacquiao wins his next fight and there's a potential possibility of a Manny Floyd rematch I got two questions that I want yes or no answers for number one would Floyd do you think Floyd and Manny could fight a rematch and I want a yes or no answer and number two would you buy it are you ready for my answers now or yep no I want the answers right now so I get with the answer to number one would would is the Floyd Manny rematch, you know, is is that possible? Yes or no? It's very possible. And like yes I or no? Floyd yes Manny. or no? Why why can't you say yes or no? Stop yes, being a problem. Yes, okay. Okay. Now now the other now the other question. Now the other question. Yes or no? Yes or no, Sal? Because we got to take a break. Would you buy it? Yeah. You have to, you have to shout. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we'll be, hey, hey, but I will stick, and I will stick to my guns. That Floyd will win ninety nine out of a hundred times. Floyd Mayweather <laughs> will beat Manny Pacquiao out of a hundred fights. He'll beat him ninety something times. We're gonna, times. we're gonna take a short break. We'll be right back. So uh, don't, don't go anywhere. Yeah. Billy C will be right back. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there, Jeremy, man. Uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget... It's Super Chat Thursday. That's right. If you're uh, watching or hanging out in the YouTube chat room, uh, 
Give us a super chat with your uh, comments, questions, concerns, and we'll make it part of the show. We'll bring it right up on air. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you got to do a super chat. But uh, in any event. And, uh, by the way, if you're watching or listening uh, on the radio dial or on a television network or uh, on another stream or a podcast, whatever, however you're watching or listening to the show, don't forget we air the show uh, currently uh, five days a week. And you can catch the live stream on our YouTube channel. It's the same version that we do upload to the television network. So uh, uh, if you're watching, like, on our simulcast, say, let's just for argument's sake, say Facebook, you're not getting the full version of the show, guys. So uh, check it out uh, on our YouTube channel or just go to BillyCBoxing.com. Um, I wanted to talk about, uh, I got some emails to read, and the first one I, I'm going to read is actually from uh, my main man over uh, in the UK, our UK correspondent, uh, Johnston, uh, who uh, had given me a little heads up on some stuff that's going to be taking place today. Eddie Hearn uh, will be uh, making a big announcement today uh, in the U.S. It'll, it'll be around 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, what's going to be taking place is uh, his announcement uh, of a new broadcast deal that he has in place um, which uh, uh, will be uh, uh, including him doing a lot of sh more shows here in the United States, plus making it available not only on the television networks, but also through a streaming uh, company. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, uh, you know, this was something that, I, you know, I, I had talked about and, you know, not only on the show, but I talked about it behind closed doors, not only with Sal, but with some other people that we should do this years ago. And uh, right now, you know, the rest of technology has caught up with that idea. Uh, the reasons I, I knew that was because my background was in IT and I made a bold prediction on this show uh, beginning several years ago that the way we watch, and Sal, I know you, you heard this, the way we watch TV and what we call TV and the internet and streaming and all of that will eventually just be entertainment and that all of our devices will be able to see the same stuff and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's all taken place. And not as, not only has it taken place, but it's taken place quicker than I thought. And I the last part of my prediction was that uh, in the very near future, what we're going to be able to do is just pay for our interest. In other words, if you're a sports fan, you pay a uh, uh, your um, you know fee for the month, your monthly fee for what you like to watch, and you'll be able to see all the boxing uh, or any sports event that you want uh, on uh, TV, on your handheld, on your tab, whatever. Uh, and you'll be paying based on your interest. And that's all slowly happening right now. And it's going to happen pretty quick. And that's what Eddie Hearn is doing. Uh, when they uh, uh, asked him, we got some quotes thanks to Johnson. He, he says, uh, you know me, I have a massive mouth. So keeping this quiet has been so hard for me. Uh, it's something that's significant. It's a very proud moment for matchroom boxing. It's a massive moment for the sport of boxing, for American boxing, for world boxing, and of course, British boxing. It gives us every chance to build a worldwide stable, uh, the likes of which have never been seen before in this sport. Uh, when asked on the subject of signing uh, uh, other American fighters, uh, with uh, Wilder being one of his main targets, uh, Hearn said, 
You need a mouth. I'm a mouthpiece. I'm a traveling salesman. But where are these guys? Where are these guys? Meaning where are their uh, traveling salesmen? Uh, They shouldn't have to do it themselves. He said, look at Deontay Wilder. It's embarrassing that this guy is still sitting on Instagram filming himself and trying to build his profile off of Anthony Joshua's name. This guy needs help. These guys need help. The Charlo brothers, Wilder, all these kinds of fighters. And when we come full circle starting in September, these guys are all on our radar for matchroom boxing uh, in USA. He also added while he's in uh, New York, Uh, This will be his final attempt to try and hash out a deal to fight with Deontay Wilder. But listen, Sal, you know, you can spin it any way you want, but this guy is 100% correct. I've said this many, many times. You know, Deontay Wilder, uh, if it wasn't for Deontay Wilder, no one would know who he is. The people that he has surrounded himself is not doing him any justice they are not promoting him correctly he should be a household name and he's not um you know the truth of the matter is you know Lou DiBella you could talk to any fighter that that signed with Lou DiBella and the guy does nothing you know if you sign with a promoter look up the definition of promotion look up the definition of promotion and these guys aren't doing it we you and I shall talk about guys like Don King and Bob Arum all the time they were actual promoters the promoters today don't promote Eddie Hearn is bringing the promotion back to promoters what do you think <laughs> my hat's off to him are you kidding me Eddie Hearn saying all the right things and when you look at Eddie Hearn he especially over in the UK he's the outsider looking in and, you know, the dominance of the sport of boxing and the, uh, the the initial spark and fire that could be lit in the United States. You've got a, a plethora of fighters here that are just hungry for the notoriety and the fame that they're working hard for every day. And if we, you are, like I said, the outsiders looking in could see opportunities that are not being taken care of because other people are complacent with it right underneath their, their radar. So, Eddie Hearn, come on over. Do what you got to do. And these fighters, they they got to realize it. They got only a few short years to make or break it in a very, very tough sport. And if they need all they can get from a guy like Eddie Hearn, my hat's off to Eddie Hearn. They should be ripe for the taking, and he should help them make it. So that's it. And Deontay Wilder, same thing. I mean, Deontay Wilder, for him to have to promote himself, shame on these guys that surround him. Because, you know, Deontay Wilder is – big i mean he's 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 the other champion by the way heavyweight and he should be a household world known name and when you look at the grassroots and you mention them the don kings the bob arams when you sign with these guys you were not only getting a pat on the back but these guys made you bigger than life because they took you under their wing and you were representing them and they had egos too by the way and I'll tell you, one of the other grassroots, I got him, give him, give him credit, uh, like him, not like him, Lou Duva. Lou Duva would do the same thing. He'd take a fighter under his wing. That fighter was man of the year. That fighter became the center of attention. And that fighter began to, hey, this is this is pretty neat. I'm believing what, I, what I'm seeing. And so it goes hand in hand. But that's what you need. You need the kind of promoters that are grassroots promoters that are going to pat you on the back, going to lift you up and going to say, hey, this is my man. This is what we're going to do. And this is what I want for his future. And that's it. The thing that had happened, and I've said this many times, Sal, 
you know, Don King's success. And, 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 and you know what? I'm not just blowing this out my ass. I did the same mistake. You know, when I first decided that I want to become a promoter, when I first got my feet wet and lost my life savings, um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, and I can and laugh about it. you want me to do the and, same and thing? I, no, no, well, I want you to do the same thing after I learned. There was nobody there. There was nobody to help me. You know, they, know, they, they know, were, were guys that all they did was took my money. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that uh, I admired Don King. And I, you know, I look at Don King and I say, "Oh, boxing promoter. That means you, you know, you're, you're going to make tons of money, right?" And uh, you know, I, I fell prey to it, and that is what the mistake that promoters make. They turn around, new promoters. They turn around. They think, yes. "Oh, this is easy. All I got to do is put on a fight, and people are going to come flocking and buying tickets, and I'm going to just sit back and count the money." Well, that's not how it works, you know. And the 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 illusion that guys like Don King and Bob Arum made because of their great success created a whole, you know, uh, plethora of, of young promoters. We call them one and dones. You know, they go out, they, they promote an event, they lose their ass, and they walk away. That's hurts boxing, okay? And now what we see is greedy. There's promoters that promote and have been in business for a long time that never open up their checkbook. What has happened is in the in the boxing business, we have a handful, a small handful of top promoters. Every other promoter that's involved in the sport below the handful of top promoters, and I'm talking about there's only maybe three or four top promoters. Every other one is, is among the rest. Those guys have become promoters creating the opponents. If you take a look and look at it clearly, and if you look at it carefully, you will see that whole level of promoter below the top handful of guys. The promoters like, and I'm sorry, guys, that I'm going to mention your names, but it is what it is. Guys like Star Boxing and Banner Promotions and Lou DiBella and, and uh, uh, some of the other ones uh, that are out there. Um, there's, there's plenty of them. I, I don't want to say main events because Kathy Duva is, is one of those on the cusp in between. But there's so many of them. Uh, you know, Solita promotion. All of these promoters, they'll go and do these club shows. They'll put a guy like Jarrell Baby Miller in with some bum and build him up to a point where they're, they're ranked somewhere and then hand him off to one of these main promoters, and then you'll see the event co-promoted by banner promotions, etc., etc. These guys are just investing their money into creating the opponent and waiting for the payday. They're not doing the grassroots like you suggest, Sal. They're not doing the investing and promoting. You know, Golden Boy, when they first started, when Richard Schaefer was running the show, they were doing the right thing. They took uh, Oscar and a couple of other veteran fighters, formed Golden Boy, and then filled their stable up with young fighters, built them up. And then all of a sudden, the, young, the old fighters retired. The young fighters were there to take their place. They had been promoted. They were known commodities, et cetera, et cetera, and became successful. Richard Schaefer leaves. Oscar don't know. And now he's got one guy left you know, one major star left. So, you know, if you want to be a successful promoter, you got to start with young fighters. Do you need some experienced veteran guys? Of course, they're the ones selling the tickets first. But you got to build up those young fighters and instead of handing them off to someone else that can take the baton and run, so to speak, 
you got to continue opening up your checkbook. And that's where the line is drawn. These smaller promoters never get big because they're not willing to open up their checkbook. And there's a one-word reason for it, Sal, and that word is greed. Greed and maybe... Maybe if you look from their standpoint, maybe that's what they want. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe that, you know, you could have a lower, a middle, and an upper tier promotional outfit. And yes, you do the handoff. You do this and that. And and uh, everybody's happy having a, 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 a co-mingling kind of partnership where you can uh, um, benefit. Everyone benefits from those kind of levels and those tiers that do promote early on. Uh, hand it off, and then finally in the end it gets to the big promoter. If that's what they like and that's what they want to do, fine. But you know what? If you want to be the best and you want to be somebody special and you want to have a whole stable of, of champions underneath you, you got to open up your checkbook and you got to invest in your, your commodity. That's the only way you're going to grow to that level. Maybe some of these other promotional outfits, Billy, maybe they don't want to be like that. And uh, because you you know and I know and, and, and the facets that you've got to address to put on an event and a fight and you've got to open up your checkbook. It's a lot of work. And the higher you go up the rung and the ladder, the more expensive, the more uh, inclusive, the more. I mean, that's just it. I think when you decide to become a promoter. You get a education real fast after your first or second fight, and you've got to address and adjust. Do you want to keep continuing and building that momentum and grow and grow and grow, or do you feel complacent or, or comfortable remaining on a tier where you can you can have a, a decent living and do some things? And and uh, so it's it's all relative, and it's yeah. all whatever the the individual wants to take. You're, and you know, go ahead. No, I'm saying you're 100 percent right, but there's yeah. another important factor here. And, and, and I don't disagree with anything you said. Everything you said is right. But, but here's, the, here's the real underlying problem. It's right. not, yes, yes, what I said about the greed and not willing to open the checkbook and all those points you just made, all of that is 100% true. But what it creates, it actually creates the worst part of the picture. And the worst part of the picture is you end up with just a handful, one, two, three, maybe four, maybe five top promoters that are actually running the show. They're the ones that are running the sport. You know, so right. now you have to fall in. There's no competition. You know, when we talk about years ago and we talk about, you know, when Don King and, and Bob Arum and, and uh, main events, the original main events, was uh, all in their, in their primes, okay, these were promotional companies Make no mistake, they didn't like each other, but they knew when they had to work with each other. And nobody was a monopoly in the sport. Today, you get those big guys. They're the only ones that have the deals with HBO and Showtime and the television networks. The big companies are the only ones. So it's a monopoly. So you want to get your fighter uh, on uh, on these networks? You got to play ball with that particular promoter. Oh, you're playing pr ball with that promoter? Then you can't play ball with this promoter because he doesn't work with that promoter. You know, if you got a fighter, you know, and and, and you're a, you're a young 
a, a trainer or yeah, you're a trainer with a young fighter, whatever the situation is, and, and you're ready to sign with someone, well, now you're hesitant. I, I don't want to sign with this guy. He doesn't have the juice. He can't get me, uh, not the Canelo juice. He can't get me <laughs> uh, the right fights and all of this. So you, in, 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 <laughs> and what's happened Literally. is that these, these smaller promoters are actually feeding the big promoters and making them more powerful and then who gets screwed at the end south the fan yeah yeah the fan i mean that's the truth it's the truth yeah you know but True. anyway i got some other emails let's let's uh read this before sal and i just keep talking and talking this you know you, you know, know you, I, just, I, I made a little joke I, I think you got it i said pasteurize no so i know that's the, that's the cattle get no, in the pasture i got it pasteurize i got it process of temperature i chuckled i chuckled <laughs> you got it i chuckled um, it was it was a small chuckle, but I chuckled. Um, you know, I, the thing is, you know, you guys don't understand. You know, Sal and I, we could sit here and talk like we're on the phone. You know, we talk and talk and talk. You know, <laughs> and so we could just talk. I'm not even talking about the things I want to talk about. But anyway, um, I got another email. This is from my man Mitch. He says uh, Eddie Hearn's about to steal an idea of yours. Uh, it has to do with streaming fights. I can't recall, <laughs> uh, but over a year ago, you mentioned an idea about streaming and selling packages or something. Don't quote me. Oops. Sorry, I guess I should have read this before. Uh, I guess I, I should have read this before now. Sorry, Mitch. Uh, he says, uh, anyway, his big announcement is tied to streaming. Yeah, uh, our uh, inside uh, fly on the wall in England, uh, Johnston, uh, hooked us up. But Mitch is my man. If we ever do Mitch another uh, event, we're bringing Mitch out. Um, the next uh, email is from uh, uh, Thunder Breslin. Uh, my man Luke from uh, the land down under, he says, hey, guys, uh, I got a few points and a question. Firstly, I just want to say I love the show, and I catch it as often as I can. However, here in the U.K., oh, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was from uh, 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 Australia. Oh, I'm sorry. He says, here in the U.K., your show is usually uh, on about lunchtime, which is one-ish, which means nine times out of ten I'm working. You know, that whole thing called work, it's, it's a little overrated. Uh, he says, uh, I usually then listen to it on a podcast streaming app I have. I also listen to it as many other podcasts unboxing as I can. But your guy's show is the one I always listen to. Uh, Thank I you do so think, much. he says, I do think a three-day format would be good. It will allow you guys to keep the content fresh but remain on top uh, with the big stories while uh, the other podcast shows are usually only once a week. Uh, I think a Monday, Wednesday, Friday would work quite well. Uh, I just want to say, you know, I've been getting a lot of uh, emails that don't have points and stuff uh, concerning, you know, I mentioned uh, earlier in the week that we were thinking about doing, um, making some changes or whatever. You know, the show is in its 15th year and, and you know, we've become a daily show uh, as much as finances and what have you are, you know, uh, putting the stranglehold on us here. Um, I can't see not doing the show five days a week. I, I mean, if we shorten some of the shows during the week, maybe that's a solution. But uh, we've evolved into a daily show. And one of the things that make us a little different is we like to talk about topics that should pop up. Now, you know, uh, with the way the division in boxing is, and I mean division meaning dividing, not, you know, uh, sanctioning divisions. But, um, or wait. Yeah, or right, not not the weight divisions either. Um, but uh, you know, I, I just think that that keeps us uh, separate, and uh, you know, so read between the lines. Anyway, he so says. Secondly, uh, I'm glad that you, Billy, agree with me about uh, being 
I've never been a fan of David Hay over here in the UK after one loss uh, at the weekend. It's been rather perplexing to me to see the amount of outpouring emotion for him. I understand that technically he's one of our top heavyweights and there's no taking that away from him. He was an outstanding cruiserweight, and I don't say this lightly. I do. He says, uh, I generally think he has one of the worst heavyweight title runs of all time. I agree. He says he's been uh, a con artist through his entire heavyweight career, and I somehow <laughs> talked myself into uh, big fights, but convinced the public that his opponents are lucky to be fighting him. I agree with that. He says not to mention that he's failed every time he stepped up in competition at heavyweight. I agree. Uh, he says, but really, I think the main problem is he just comes across as a horrible, unlikable, cocky guy, which instantly turns me off, meaning uh, uh, Luke, but that's the same reason for me. Uh, he says, uh, to be honest, uh, it was kind of sad to watch him at the weekend, and I hope that this is the end of his fighting career. Uh, you know, I, I, and Sal, I tell you this all the time, you know, and people misunderstand. I'm so misunderstood. Uh, but people <laughs> misunderstand me. Uh, when I'm critical of someone, and I'll point out the guys, you know, you got guys like Floyd, and you got guys like David Hay, and you got guys like Deontay Wilder. You know, the main reason that turns me off has nothing to do even really, I mean, even with guys that have so much, uh, you know, uh, things going on outside the ring. It's when they pound their chest, you know, Jarrell Baby Miller. You know, when they pound their chest, and, and claim everybody's afraid. Nobody wants to fight me. Blah, 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 blah. All of that rhetoric. It bothers me because there's no substance to it. You know, no one's afraid to fight Floyd Mayweather. No one ever was afraid. You had to win the lotto to fight him, you know, because you knew it was a big payday. Nobody's afraid to fight Jarrell Miller. You know, no one was afraid to fight David Hay. You know, the, the worst part of it is, okay, it's promotion, right? But if you're going to say, I'm going to do this, I get you in the ring, I'm going to pop you down, I'm going to knock you out, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then the bell rings and you run around the ring and, 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 and you're, you know, you're a, you're, you're a little pansy ass. You know, I mean, come on. You know, back up what you say. I respect guys that say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. They try and do it. And if they fail, you can't criticize them. I, I mean, Sal, am I off base on this? What do you think? No, no. I mean, you know, you got to put your money where your mouth is and you got to put your fist where your where your mouth is telling you you can go. And uh, I mean, no. And, and, and I understand that because it's frustrating too. You know, when you have so much you want to say, to get a fight to happen and to, that you're going to come out uh, looking glorious and everything else. And when you get the opportunity, you know, you freeze or, or nothing goes the way you, you really promoted yourself to get into that ring to do. And uh, it's, it's an empty tank of gas. So, no, I know it's very anticlimactic. And uh, if you're going to say something, do Let it. your actions back up your words. That's exactly. all. That's exactly. what we want to see. Exactly. You know, I have no problem with trash. People have sent me emails. Ah, Billy C., you just don't like trash talkers. No, that's not true. You know, some of my favorite fighters were big-time trash talkers. <laughs> the problem is don't talk trash and then don't live it up. You know, I mean, at least try and back it up. You know, and uh, right. Yeah. You know, and then nobody could say anything. Don't say you're going to go in there and attack like a crazy fool and then go in there and, and you know, run around the ring like, uh, you know, ravishing Rano. You know, I mean, come on. But uh, anyway, uh, Luke says now for my question, he says it has uh, it pertains to the over usage of focus mitts in modern training. I've been reading a lot of articles on how classic fighters used to train fighters like Jack Dempsey, Sugar Ray Robinson, etc. It always strikes me. 
that during these era of fighters, we've said many times, had the sweet science nailed down. They were hitting and not getting hit whilst being in range to hit their opponent again, which truly is the definition of sweet science, not what Floyd has uh, bamboozled uh, a lot of you young fans into thinking. Uh, he says, sometimes I have noticed is when you do watch what little footage there is and read the articles, you barely ever see them using um, pads. He says, now my understanding of the focus pads is for... Uh, a trainer one-on-one -on -one with a fighter to iron out some of the inconsistencies in the fighter's punching abilities, but I would have to assume that the majority of a fighter's training regime would involve the heavy bags and road work and sparring. So really, my question to you guys is this. Uh, what it would be the ideal training regimen, uh, and do you think that focus pads are overused by today's modern fighters? Um, I'll answer first, okay? Go ahead. Um the answer, my simple answer, you know, when I'm always asking Sal to give me a, a yes or no answer, I'm going to answer yes first, then I'm going to put my Sal hat on and then answer like Sal. Um, my first answer is yes, they overuse the pads big time. The pads are recent, boys and girls. They never used to use the pads. I, I think they were implemented as soon as the 60s or even 70s, late 70s. You're talking 70s. about the punch mitts, right? The punch mitts, yeah, like late yeah. 70s. Did you use punch mitts when you fought? Yes. The, we, were they, we they, did. They, we loved it. It was great. Okay. All right. So so it, it must be the early 70s when they came out. But listen, let me, let me tell you something about punch mitts. And this is my opinion. And Sal will give you his in a sec. I think the punch mitts are really not as helpful as people might think. What happens... And a great example, again, I'm going to use Floyd Mayweather as an example. You know, everybody has seen the video videos of him working with Papa Floyd uh, with the, with the uh, uh, training uh, mitts on and the fact that, uh, uh, you know, they're hitting um, um, uh, the mitts while he's blindfolded and, and all of this crappy stuff. Uh, and you're like, oh, wow, you know, and he's, he's going through the routine and stuff. It becomes exactly that, a routine, a choreographed situation, okay? Um, they're looking at the mitts. The intent of the mitt was to try to, uh, you know, as a trainer, put the mitt in a, in a place uh, where, you know, the fighter had to, had to go and, and, and nail, right? You know, the mitts put up here, boom. Now the mitts down here, boom. You know, so, so it's supposed to emulate... Uh, an opening or, or what have you, uh, that a fighter is supposed to learn, um, you know, how to, how to come and, and do what he has to do. Uh, but what has transpired is a lot of choreographed uh, mitt usage where fighters are just going through the motions. Uh, and I think that's where uh, the problem really lies. So, uh, unfortunately, we can't get you Sal's opinion because for some reason uh, Sal must have... Uh, uh, got dropped. Uh, we'll wait for him to come back. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to read um, another uh, uh, email. And uh, actually, this is the last one. Uh, don't forget, I'm not going to take a break here uh, at uh, our normal break time. Uh, and uh, it is Super Chat Thursday. So far, we're, we're, we're going broke here. There's no Super Chats, man. So uh, Super Chat, you got a question, you got a comment, you got a concern. Uh, then uh, definitely uh, give us a super chat and we'll make you part of the show. Um, my last email uh, is from uh, my man Jeff. And uh, Jeff says, uh, uh, hey, Billy C., if I didn't say that I would miss your show five days a week, I'd be lying. Okay, so here's another one uh, that came, fell under my, um, uh, fell under my, 
uh, emails uh, that uh, um, you know uh, that I was looking for f to be part of the show. You know, my email comments, I should say, uh, that also had an opinion on the uh, uh, three days, five days, whatever. Uh, I was getting a lot of uh, feedback on that, but separate than. Um, you know, than than this email. So, uh, you know, I'll read forward. I, I just want to make you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, he says, uh, I, I'd be, if I didn't say that I'd miss your show five days a week, I'd be lying. I look forward to listening each day, and many times I listen as I exercise in my garage uh, to relax uh, and enjoy. I've listened to numerous shows, both in the U.S. and uh, in the U.K., and hands down, by far, uh, your show is absolutely the best, the most real, the most knowledgeable, the most honest assessment of, bo of the boxing world. I love that you cover domestic fights and the fights abroad, and you guys know what you're talking about, and there's no BS. I also enjoy the give and take with Sal and his, boxer, and, uh, his boxers, meaning you know, the boxer, the former boxer's perspectives. Uh, all of the contributors are excellent, especially Larry Hazard. I won't pretend to know the cost and all that you put into your show, Billy C., but I do know it's your passion. All of your fans see it, and we can feel it with each episode. I am very, uh, um, I, I, I'm tears, and I sincerely uh, I mean it. I'm, I appreciate that, and uh if, if everyone feels that way, uh, it makes me feel really good. So, so thank you for that, Jeff. Um, he says, uh, I truly hope to be, uh, I truly hope to be a contributing sponsor through my company. Uh, and, uh, I think we're going to get it three, three days a week will still be great, but I vote for the five day format. He says, uh, I wish I had more customers with my passion for all things boxing, not MMA, but true and pure boxing. Know this, Billy C., whether your show is on five days a week or three days, I will remain a loyal Billy C. listener. You have no competition. Jeff, thank you very much for the accolades. It, it certainly means uh, a lot. And uh, uh, at this point, we got Sal back, and it's a good time because uh, I feel uh, a little uh, uh, emotional here. But uh, uh, Sal... Um, I, we lost you there for, for a minute. I, I wanted to get your thoughts. First of all, my man Jeff, uh, thank you very much. And, you know, he brings up a point. Uh, we are looking. If you are with a, uh, a company or own a company, uh, we're, we're actually looking to do a couple of things. One, we're trying to expand our sponsor, uh, you know, team. So if you have uh, someone or, or uh, you know, if you are that person, drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Let me know uh, uh, what your budget is, what you would like to see, and we, I'm sure we could come up with a, a really good uh, a scenario for both of us. Uh, and um, the other thing is uh, one of our long-term plans is to do this show live from multiple sites. Uh, we did have some people that said they wanted us to do it, and then they just fell off the face of the earth or whatever. But it's something that I feel really would bring something to this show, to be able to do it in front of, uh, on, a, on a daily basis almost, in front of a live audience. I, I think we could have a lot of fun uh, doing things uh, prior to and after the show is actually airing. So if, if you have... Uh, a scenario like that that could work, reach out to me. Um, joining us now again is Sal. And Sal, um, what was your comment? I know you heard the question and then all of a sudden we lost you. But what was the comments on the punch mitts? How, how do you feel? Is uh, Do you think that they're overusing them today? 
Well, yeah, I had actually I had excuse me, I had a power surge, but uh, I will tell you this: I think that there there's definitely some benefits from using the punch mitts. Are they overused? Maybe they are, but uh, no, I think it's it should still be implemented in a ritual base or daily base of cross training. Can I ask you I mean, a question? Can I ask you a question? And yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I need to know. You said you used them. Um, now, my uh, you were off air, and and I said that, that that the way I think that their their intention was was you know a trainer's got the mitts on because you know you're the fighter you don't want to punch a trainer in the face and what he would do would put that mitt in a location either high either low either to the right to the left and you as a fighter were supposed to recognize where that target the mitt was a target and you were supposed to nail that target which would emulate a fighter's movement in the ring and you know keep you fluid keep your attention keep you focused on what you're supposed to do um the problem with focus mitts today is the focus part, it's more become choreographed. When you used them in your training regimen, was it like I said it should be, or was it more of a, you know, warming up, a choreographed? Explain how you use them. That's a great question, Bill, and I'll tell you why, because I know how it's evolved over the decades uh, from when I first used them. But when I first used them, Yes, my trainers had a moving target, and they, they would put them there, jab, 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 right, left, boom, you know, and we would do it. We would do the combinations. And, yeah, you bob and weave, you go under pads. You could put on a whole display in a show, and an, an exhibition with punch mitts, and, uh, uh, or otherwise known today as focus pads, I guess, but, but they were punch mitts for me. And I, I think it's very, very uh, – usable and doable but you gotta know when it's just a show and when it's actually again like i use the term you gotta do the stuff or you're gonna give a fluff so yeah i think the punch mitts are very valuable they're a great lesson and like you suggested that's what my trainers used to do they used to use the mitts used to have to strike it then you come out with a right hand and and it was a whole thing in combinations and you got a good workout on it and that's the whole thing of boxing you know never to be caught and left with a surprise that you have to realize. So by cross-training, you do your work on a heavy bag. You do your work on a punch mitt. You do your work in sparring. You do your work on the speed bag. And what it, it all comes together to accumulate and make you a well-rounded fighter. And, you know, a lot of people will, will say, well, what, what good is a speed bag? All you're doing, well, you know what? Speed bag is also good. It's hand-eye coordination. It's timing. It's cooling down. It's a lot of things. I used to love to hit the double-end bag. And, you know, my first double-head bag, you want to know how old I was? Yeah, the, my first double-head bag, when I first trained in a gym at, at 15, where world-class fighters came out of myself, Jerry Palmieri, and this is a garage, a two-car garage, an old colonial house. Our trainer was Eddie Helbig, and he'd smoke that cigar or a pipe while we were training and filling up the room, but he said, ah, it's good for you. You're going to have it in an arena. you got to learn how to work with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, guess, really. I guess they weren't, I guess they weren't talking to, or worried about secondhand smoke right back then, right? I don't think it was invented there, secondhand smoke. <laughs> <laughs> secondhand smoke wasn't so, invented yet? He, you know, he would be, and, you know, the Palmieri family, love them, and I, I've talked about them before. And uh, they were they were like a fighting family, uh, all coming from Tony, the father. And this was a 63-year-old guy when I had no sparring partners. He'd get in a ring with me, and believe me, I would just be defensive. But this guy would come at me like a bull. <laughs> And I would have to keep my hands up because I knew with his momentum, this guy could still fight. 
And his son, Jerry Palmieri, was a world-class, won like four or five Golden Gloves, international gold medals against Russia, Soviet Union. And Dennis Palmieri was, was a fabulous fighter. So these guys were part of the gym. Eddie Helbig's Boxing Club in Dumont. And when our first double end bag was, was, was great, it was a basketball with harnesses around it, with the duct tape, with a rubberized bicycle tube, and a 50-pound weight on the bottom. That was our introduction to a double-end bag. And it was only a single bag. We graduated for a belly and a head bag when he got another basketball and he put it on the belly side. So, I mean, but these were things that were good because they would bounce. That thing would bounce. He had, he had a bicycle tube securing it from the ceiling. He had the ropes and the, and the duct tape holding the bags together with a harness. And, and he'd have a 50-pound weight with another bicycle tube on the bottom. And we hit this thing, body, hit the head, and this thing would move. And, but it was a great workout. And, and it taught us a lot. No, but, I, no go ahead. I thought you were done. Go no, ahead. No, but, but, but what I'm saying is it's like the, it's like the old Rocky movie when, when he goes to the Soviet Union uh, and uh, he just decides that, you know, I don't need all the stuff that uh, Dolph Lundgren's using, uh, Drago. I, I'm, I'm going to do it with my hatchet and do, you know. And those are the basics. And that's, that's what the boxing environment and element and the cross-training was all about do the rules and do the basics, but do them exceptionally well. And cumulatively, it comes together where you're cross-training. So use of the speed bag, use of the double-end bag, use of the heavy bag, use of the sparring, of the, of the sparring, and use of the punch mitts. They all come together for a well-rounded workout and to give you a well-rounded exposure to the art and the science and the conditioning of being a well-rounded fighter to box, to punch, to move, to dance, to do whatever you got to do. Those are all the things implemented to help round you off to be in a situation, scenario that you're not going to be surprised you're going to get it all. Um, just a couple of points real quick um, that uh, I wanted to make, you know, about about 40 minutes ago. But uh, um, <laughs> former WBO heavyweight champ Joseph Parker, who uh, just recently lost to Anthony Joshua, uh, his team says Joseph Parker is definitely going to earn a rematch uh, with uh, Anthony Joshua within a year. Uh, if we employ the same tactic, tactics we originally did and just fight often, fight regularly, pay our sanctioning fees, beat the guy they put in front of us, we're going to be back at number one within a year. Uh, people think it's voodoo and you have to send brown paper bags to Colombia and that sort of thing. Nope, you just line up a good opponent and you win and you'll edge your way back in. And I think the world wants to see Joseph Parker fight Anthony Joshua again. Um, I don't know about the world. Uh, Joseph Parker did give Anthony Joshua a, a good fight. What's disheartening about this comment is how true it is. Um, the truth is, is that in today's world of boxing, all you got to do is stay busy. And throw some money. He's, he's making fun of a brown paper bag to Columbia. But he said in the statement, the sentence before, all we got to do is pay our sanctioning fees. Meaning, hey, if you get a, an elimination fight, because an elimination fight, when, when you, you got to understand, boys and girls, when they take and say, this is an eliminator, this is an eliminator. Uh, if you've noticed, we went from uh, this is an eliminator, and then you see this is a final eliminator for the shot at Anytime it's an elimination fight for someone's title, 
they're paying a sanctioning fee. So in a sense, they're paying off the sanctioning body to get to their position. Come on, come on, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, that's what's happening. Now, um, the disheartening part of this uh, uh, comment is the fact that it's true because, and, and a great example of this is Jarrell Baby Miller. Jarrell Baby, Baby Miller is in line for a title shot. Uh, who's he fought? How did he earn this title shot? Sal and I talk about this all the time. Climbing the ladder of contenders is the way you legitimately earn a world title shot. But that's not how it works today. All you got to do is beat some slug in front of you, just like Team Parker is suggesting, even though they didn't use that choice of verbiage like I am. Um, and you keep winning, and all of a sudden you're going to be somebody's mandatory. That's wrong. Sal, it's it's sad that it's that that that's the fast track. There's so many young kids that are in gyms today that are busting their ass to try and get a shot and then eventually walk away from the sport because of lack of opportunity because these other guys are fighting slugs and have been sending brown paper bags to the commission to the sanctioning body office, not to Columbia. The brown paper bags are going to the sanctioning body's uh, main office. I mean, that's the disheartening part of, of all of this, even though it's a true statement. Bill, it's a truer statement than you realize. Well, you do realize uh, what the fight fan does not realize. There will be, at any given time, in any third world country, in anywhere else, there'll be a stellar talent who could probably be uh, a world champion if he had the ability uh, to be promoted, to have somebody look out for him. And it being outside of the mainstream boxing world, we'll never hear from these fighters because they can't sustain a living condition or life with what they're doing and how they're exposed or not exposed. And, and that's the reality of it. There's talent all over the world. It's just what talent could rise to the top by the people that will back and to believe and invest in that talent. And yes, the old days, remember when Muhammad Ali was coming up, you didn't see a title holder with less than 40, 50, 60 fights. And I mean, that's just the old way it was. We do today, we, we we do right. those bla we do those blasts from the past. We're we're talking about fighters, one hundred fifty fights, one hundred fifty fights, and they and, and, and some of these guys didn't even get a title shot. You know, I mean, come on. I know. I mean, the old days, Bill. It was you. You got a title shot when you got maybe 40, 50, 60 fights, and you held the title and you defended it ten times or so until you can't, and then uh, you know you retire with seventy five fights under your belt or whatever the heck. You know, those were the old days. Today, because of the mainstream, because of the cash under the table, because of everything else, you can see a fighter with 10 or 15 fights walking in a ring for a, for a, for a title shot. And, and, you know, those are the realities of what today's boxing world will reveal and will give you. But like I said, you'll never hear some of that beautiful, un, unfocused, unrecognized, unfounded talent in some third world country or somewhere else where this guy's got all the tools, the passion, the, the, the stick to itness, the, the, the punching power, the boxing ability. He'll just be something under the radar that never happens. And, you know, he'll, he'll, uh, that, that's just the realities. You know what? Until somebody says, hey, I, got, I like you. I'm going to invest $100,000 in you. Here, we're going to slip this. We're going to get you ranked. And boom, you're going to get a title shot. It doesn't happen to all the golden goose eggs out there.
No, but we we certainly get a lot of them laying eggs. That's for sure. We got the ham and eggers out there. <laughs> we got the ham and eggers. Forget about it. Um, the other side of the coin. Sergio uh, Sergio Kovalev uh, will be uh, who's in case y'all forgot is a WBO uh, light heavyweight champ. Uh, he's going to be taking on uh, Alvarez uh, at the uh, uh, Hard Rock uh, Hotel and Casino, the new Hard Rock in Atlantic City. It's taking place in August, August fourth. Uh, will be uh, most likely on HBO, and uh, Alvarez has been uh, the WBC mandatory champion for years now uh, and has made a fortune with step-aside money because Adonis Stevenson uh, doesn't want to fight him. And uh, uh, now uh, they finally got uh, Alvarez a shot at Kovalev's WBO title. Adonis Stevenson's title reign is going to end soon when he steps in the ring with Bedo Jack. You can uh, take that to the bank. Um, I like that it's in Atlantic City, uh, not only for my man Larry Hazard, but you know I'm hoping that Atlantic City makes a strong comeback, specifically in the sport of boxing. And this is one event that uh, I am going to try my damnedest to be ringside for. Uh, so uh, maybe you should come down or come up uh, for this one too, Sal. But, I would uh, love to. Would love uh, to. Up in it's going to be in August. Maybe we'll uh, hang out. Yeah. Hey, actually, that's your old stomping grounds, Atlantic City. So uh, are you kidding me? Uh, boy, we'll, oh boy! Actually. Used to I live in New Jersey. Go. Yeah, so let's we'll make plans. We'll, we'll make, make plans. We'll I'll make uh, I'll uh, I'll get uh, I'll hooked up. But uh, anyway, some other news real quick. Uh, the World Boxing Super Series, the second uh, season, is going to be taking place uh, this time in the bantamweight uh, division. Uh, we're going to have uh, bantamweight and then two more divisions uh, that have not been announced. But so far, uh, bantamweight world champions that are in the uh, World Boxing Super Series, uh, Ryan Burnett, uh, WBA champ, uh, Zolani Teet, who's a WBO champ, and Emmanuel Rodriguez uh, is the IBF bantamweight champion. They have all been confirmed. Uh, We will have... uh, uh, announcements on who else is going to be there. One other division that is uh, expected to be announced pretty quickly is junior welterweight. Listen, this World Boxing Super Series is nothing less than fantastic, okay? The fact that uh, Richard Schaefer is able to get these guys, these current, you know, alphabet title holders in the ring, uh, ready to face whoever falls in their lap is what's helping save this sport. I got news for you. And the truth of the matter is, is that I'm glad that the sanctioning bodies are finding a way to work with this uh, scenario because it helps the sport. We've seen it uh, clearly with the cruiserweight division and super middleweight divisions, two divisions that aren't as popular here in the United States as they are in Europe. Uh, So I'm looking forward to the success of the World Boxing Super Series. And I hope no matter what, you know, I pray to God, Sal, that a television network is smart enough to pick up the World Boxing Super Series at this point. Because remember, we did not get any U.S. television here for the uh, cruiserweight or the super middleweight divisions. And I feel that the cruiserweight division would have been the one that the network should have picked up because that is an exciting division of big men. As a matter of fact, all these cruiserweights would have been heavyweights uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So uh, cruiserweight division, for anybody that's in the United States that doesn't give it any credit, you should because uh, you got 200-pound guys in great shape generally uh, fighting each other. So you're getting the knockout power, you're getting uh, hand, you're getting speed, you're getting talent, uh, and, and generally, generally, they're in good shape. So... 
I'm excited about this uh, World Boxing Super Series continuing to advance, Sal. Well, I, and I see why, and I, I agree with you. And it's a tournament format that we discussed many times on the show, why a tournament could work, why a tournament can't work. But this seems to be some of the uh, necessary ingredients to make this kind of tournament work. And, and you are so right. You know, w- whenever we talk about the cruiserweight division, it's it's like the it's like the wicked stepmother. I, I don't know. Because you look you look at some of the heavyweight champions from decades ago, Rocky Marciano, even Joe Lewis, they might have been a cruiserweight. I know Marciano, anything over 175 pounds, you were considered a heavyweight. 175 pounds, you were considered a heavyweight. That's why you could have two-ton Tony Galento, who was maybe five foot five, uh, coming in the ring uh, uh, with 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 a with a big belly, but a vicious left hook that'll that'll knock you down. And and, and it, you know there was no buffer weight class in between. You were either under 175 pounds, where you were a light heavyweight, or you were over 175 pounds, where you were a heavyweight. Anything above, yeah, those were the good old days. Um, listen, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is even when you look at those, those are the two biggest jumps, you know, you got, um, yeah, right. you, well, no middleweight, right. 160 weight limit to light heavy, which is 175, pounds. 175 weight limit, right. Yeah. Then the jump from light heavyweight to cruiserweight is 25 pounds, the cruiserweight yeah. limit. So a guy that's 176 and a half pounds, 176 pounds even, is considered a cruiserweight, and the yeah. maximum weight is 199.9. 200 pounds and above is a heavyweight. So realistically, we have a lot of talent. There's a lot of guys in the heavyweight division right now that could make cruiserweight, and the only reason why they don't is because of money. They can't get paid as much. If the if the popularity of the cruiserweight division would grow a little bit, uh, we would uh, we would be in good shape. Anyway, um, don't just, think it ever will. You know, I hope you're wrong. I really do. I so. mean, I hope I'm wrong too, but I don't think it'll ever have the match taken to the torch or, or fire and the candle. And I don't think it'll ever shine. I don't think it'll ever go. I hope I'm wrong because the cruiserweight division, as you said, that's a 25-pound limit in between light heavyweight of 175 to 200 pounds of, of a heavyweight. So Yeah, yeah but it's just, know, it, it's the money. It, it, if, the money. If, the, if, the, if the popularity, of, now, now keep in mind, you're thinking from a United States perspective, because if you go to Europe, and, and you know, when I, when I, I travel to Europe many times for fights and stuff, you know, for my fighters, never, never for the show, but, um, you know, the cruiserweight division and the super middleweight division, uh, just, you know, since we're talking about the World Boxing Super Series, are both very popular. If you look back at the history of both, generally, there's a lot of European champions that control both of those divisions. And the reason is because they were, uh, you know, accepted by the fans, and thus these guys could make uh, some money. It's not the case here in the States, but it should be, is my point. And again, when you look at the lack of promotion, this goes back to the lack of promoters actually promoting. You know, if fans would open up their eyes and realize exactly the term you used a few moments ago, the cruiserweights today are actually the heavyweights of yesterday. Here's a, here's a, great, here's a great example. You know, you mentioned Rocky Marciano. He never weighed more than 189 pounds for a fight. Know, Jack, Dem- Jack Dempsey never weighed more than 185, uh, 188, I think, pounds for his, for world for uh, a fight. Even a guy who was considered a monster 
during his reign as heavyweight title, uh, as a heavyweight title, as the heavyweight, the heavyweight champion, in Jack Johnson. He was considered a monster. I don't think he ever weighed, uh, maybe when he was old and out of shape, but generally his fighting weight was under 205 pounds. You know, so, so was Joe Lewis, wasn't he? 202, 210? Yeah, Joe Lewis was, wasn't, wasn't huge either. No, you know, no. I mean, all these guys, even Gene Tunney, you know, I, I mean, do. all these guys, you know, and then look at some of the other ones. Jersey Joe Walcott, you know, was yeah. a cruiserweight, you know, I mean, was a light heavyweight who moved up to heavyweight, you know. So, uh, you know, all these guys uh, weren't as big. So realistically, because humans have gotten bigger and, and uh, stronger and faster, you know, we have the heavyweight division that is following suit. Now you have a heavyweight. Oh, he's small. You know, you, I, I do these, uh, uh, you know, breakdowns. Oh, yeah, he's small. He's only six foot four. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's a small guy. He's, he's, uh, Deontay Wilder is only 220 pounds, but he's skinny. You know, he's, he's six seven, but, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not a big six seven. You know, I, what, what are you talking about? You know, he's a monster to me. And, you know, you know we look at these guys. We look at these guys, a heavyweight. That's six foot one. Oh, he's a little guy. He's a little guy. He, I, you know, he, I, 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 I come up to his waist. You know, you know, he's a little guy. Yep, he's a little guy compared to Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua and the Klitschko brothers and all that because they're six five and plus. Uh, Tyson Fury six foot nine. You know, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys six foot seven, six foot eight. You know, oh, oh, I'm six foot seven. I don't, I, I'm not good at fighting little guys six foot three. You know, six foot three. You know, come on. You know, but uh, anyway. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention real quick. Uh, Joe Smith Jr. Yes, uh, returns uh, June 30th uh, at the Mohegan Sun. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on him. Uh, this was uh, uh, following his last law uh, fight, which was a loss to Sullivan Barrera. Uh, it's been six months already. Uh, Joe Smith Jr., 23 wins, two losses, and 19 knockouts. One of our uh, loyal listeners, uh, my man, uh, Coach, a uh, big fan of uh, Joe Smith Jr. So uh, we'll, all, we'll all be looking uh, uh, for uh, Joe Smith's uh, uh, return. Um, one thing I want to mention, don't miss tomorrow's show. Uh, we will be breaking down and giving you our predictions uh, of all the big fights scheduled for the weekend, but th there's no fight bigger uh, than Vasily Lomachenko moving up in weight and challenging Jorge Linares for his WBA uh, lightweight title. Uh, I'll be breaking down and giving you my predictions on that, as will Sal, uh, as well as Saddam Ali against Jamie uh, Mugaya, who I, I was supposed to be ringside, so anybody... That's expecting to find me and buy me a scotch like I've been crying for. Uh, I'm not going to be there. Uh, some unforeseen things have come up, and uh, it's going to prevent me from being uh, ringside. But uh, you should still go. Get yourself some tickets. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the uh, Turning Stone Fight banner, uh, which you can't miss. It's right there on the right-hand side. Make sure you tell them Billy C sent you. Demand a Billy C discount. Um, there's also on that uh, HBO card Ray Vargas against uh, Azat Havosian. Uh, we will uh, be breaking that one down. I will not break down Tony Harrison against Ishii Smith. Ishii Smith is the most boring fighter known to man. Uh, but uh, Devin Haney and Mason Menard, uh, a fight on uh, tomorrow night on Showtime, is intriguing. So we'll be breaking those down. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that on tomorrow's show. We're also going to open up the phone lines tomorrow uh, as well. Uh, it's time for the trivia question, Sal. And, uh, man, I got people uh, scratching their heads on this one. Um, and it's a tough one, so I'm going to give you another uh, hint. Uh, if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N, 
B-O-X-I-N-G.com. You'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same game that uh, Alex Papali uh, uses for our Blast from the Past segment. Here's the question, and you have to email it because we go by the timestamp. Should there be uh, two uh, correct answers, the first one that comes in is the one that wins. Um, what do Ted Kid Lewis, Dave Shade, and Young Stribling all have in common? Now, my man Coach answered an incorrect, gave me an incorrect answer, uh, and I used that as a big hint yesterday. All of these guys have over 200 fights each. Um, but that's not the answer. But that is an important factor about these three guys. The next hint I'm going to give you is the answer of this question. The significance behind the answer has something to do with an achievement at a certain point in time that they all share. Okay? I've pretty much uh, given you synonymous uh, hint here. Uh, synonymously to the answer okay they all have something relative to time associated with them and their careers uh and that's the answer we're looking for so with those two hints what do ted kid lewis dave shade and young stribbling all have in common if you're the first one to email me the correct answer billy at talking boxing t-a-l-k-i-n-b-o-x-i-n-g dot com you'll win the prize. Hey, listen, boys and girls, it's been fun today. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.